The idea that no one is looking at the model presented by Mayor Rudy Giuliani in New York, which was very simple. If you throw a rock, you're arrested. If you throw a bottle, you're arrested. And all of a sudden, New York was, and it literally was almost overnight, New York became safe. The John McCullough Show, weekday evenings at 6 on The Patriot. The Jonathan Kinlock Show is brought to you by CMA of West New York. Welcome to the Jonathan Kinlock Show on News Talk 1400 WDTK. You're invited to call in and join the conversation at 800-923-9385. That's 800-923-WDTK. Welcome to the Jonathan Kenlock Show here at Detroit's News Talk AM 1400 and FM 92.7 WDTK. Call in number here in the studio is 800-923-9385. That's 1-800-923-9385. Yesterday was the election day and today is the day after. Um, Some folks are happy, others are not. That's usually how elections work out. Tonight we have here in the studio, we have Tom Wilson, who is a Democratic Party activist. He's a member of the executive board for the uh, Michigan Black Caucus. He's also very active. Wayne uh, County Democrat. Wayne County, Wayne uh, Wayne County Democrat um, Black uh, Black Caucus, Caucus, as well as um, very involved in the 14th Congressional District. Uh, I'm I'm not sure uh, how many of these races, the... 14th district decided to, I guess, uh, chime in on, mm-hmm. um, as chair of the 13th congressional district, I made a, a, a call, a judgment call not to get engaged in many of these races, um, for a number of reasons. Uh, Highland park was one in which I had, uh, Highland park is in the 13th district. The former, the current mayor, uh, who was unsuccessful to retain in retaining his seat yesterday, uh, Deandre Wyndham. I actually had, uh, supported him. He's a former council member and he was a young guy who I, I, I really had a lot of, lot of, uh, of hope for. Um, unfortunately the Highland park was hit with, uh, continued financial stresses. Yep. Uh, the state eventually, it, it was just coming from having an emergency manager at the time, uh, uh mayor Wyndham had took office um, but unfortunately, a lot of the people who were around him, who was giving him healthy and, and honest uh, critique of, 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 of policy, uh, after he won, a lot of those individuals had disappeared. Um, and, and there's some rumbling in Highland Park that, you know, that, we, that there was an issue with a family member who actually became chief architect of his, in his administration. And I think that may have had an impact because of the perception, whether it was true or not. I believe that had a, a, a big impact on uh, on that ele- on the election yesterday in Highland Park. And there were some other uh, some other areas that I didn't think that the candidates were um, engaging enough to, as far as giving you a clear message on how they would actually assume uh, their roles and, and execute their duties. So, so we did not endorse a, a, a number of these, um, um, elect, you know, a number of yeah. these, um, uh, races around mm-hmm. the 13th. Yeah. Well, you know, I think in terms of, um, uh, mayor Wyndham, um, I think he became also a victim of the water crisis out there in Highland park too. Uh, you know, they say, well, you sit at the desk where the buck stops and that kind of thing. So, you know, that played into it. Um, I know um, we, meaning the Wayne County Democratic Black Caucus, we screen candidates, all right? We screen candidates for city council out in, uh, out in Inkster and also the mayor in Inkster. Um, and let's see, Highland Park as well. And I can't remember some of the other uh, you know, candidates that we screened, but yeah, it wasn't, a, <clears throat> to use that word, a lot of those races that, you know, we got involved in that kind of thing, because, um, Hey, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, it's an off year right now. And you, you know how it goes in an off year. I mean, I think what I heard in Highland park, I think there was something like about 700 people that, 
total that voted for mayor because I saw the breakdown. And uh, I think um, what's it, Mr. Yop got about 300 and some odd number and uh, – and Wyndham got 267, I believe, and then it fell, you know, on down from there. No, I think I think it was like 600, and then he got 300. Yop got like 800 and some odd votes. And I think, uh, let, no, let me just stop doing the guessing game, like the kissing <laughs> game. Let's, let's stop doing the guessing game. We can actually go right here and look at Highland Park results right here. Flat Rock, and then right here is Highland Park. Let me go straight to Highland Park. Highland Park, here it is right here. Uh, 756, uh, Hubert Yop. Okay. Uh, he got 63% of the vote, and DeAndre Wyndham got 450 votes, or 37% of the uh, 37% of the vote. So uh, that is like a slain. And I do believe that the, the, the impact, the, the water crisis over in Highland Park, that that did have an impact. Oh, that, yeah, that for had sure. had an impact on him. Um, once you're in, when you're in office, hey, you, you know that is a that is a major major mm -hmm. um, part of holding the uh, office is accountability and people blame you for it when you hold the when you're the current off, when, office holder. Well, kind of the same thing happened up in Flint as well. I mean, you know, well, Flint was kind of different. Flint, the the city council, the elected official. Now they're trying to put that on the EM. But the elected officials are the ones who actually voted and, and pushed forth the uh, separa the, separating from the Detroit, Detroit Water and Sewage system. Department. Okay. So that, uh, that was very interesting there. And they should have gotten rid of anyone, everyone who had a, a say in that. You're yeah. listening to the Jonathan Kinlock Show here at Detroit's News Talk AM 1400 and FM 92.7 WDTK. This is Jonathan Kinlock and Tom Wilson. When we come back, we're going to continue to talk about the election results from last night. This is an off-election year, but these elections were very important to many of these communities. We'll be right back on the other side of the break. Just before he turned two, my son Alex became very, very sick with a high fever for several days. We went to a couple of different hospitals, several trips to the ER, and doctors just kept telling us it was a virus and that he would be fine. But a mother knows. So I looked at the doctors and said, we need to get to Children's Hospital right now. So they sent their dedicated ambulance, Panda One, and within minutes, we were at Children's Hospital where we should be. As soon as we got to Children's, we were surrounded by a team of doctors, and within minutes, he was placed into the ICU. It was the worst moment of my life, and yet I was calmer than I had been in days. It took a couple of days, but they found that he had a very rare blood disease called PCH. He had three blood transfusions and started to get better. Now he's a healthy, happy toddler. For a pediatric specialist near you, go to childrensdmc.org or call 313-745-KIDS. The Children's Hospital of Michigan is family, and I won't go anywhere else. In times of economic uncertainty, University Foods are hard at work providing quality groceries at impressive savings. Since 1979, University Foods has served the Detroit area with low, low prices, providing fresh fruits, vegetables, and quality meats. University Foods strives to save you money without compromising quality. Buy local Michigan-made product at your local Spartan store. University Foods, located at 1131 West Warren, across from Wayne State University. Say hello to Norm and tell them the Jonathan Kinlock Show sent you. Welcome back to the Jonathan Kenlock Show here at Detroit's News Talk AM 1400 and FM 92.7 WDTK. Call in number here in the studio is 800-923-9385. That's 800-923-9385. Join me here in the studio. We have Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson is a Democratic Party activist, but also he is very, very active in his community. 800-923-9385. That's the number here in the studio. Snyder caution, cautions about borrowing against new road money. Governor Rick Snyder said Wednesday he wants to be cautious about borrowing against future new roads revenues. In order to get to work more quickly on Michigan's crumbling roads, Governor Rick Snyder said Wednesday the state will carefully examine whether to borrow against $600 million in new transportation revenue that is part of the $1.2 billion road funding plan approved by the legislature. While the current construction season already is in the rearview mirror, 
issuing road bonds would potentially provide significant extra construction money as early as 2016, but the governor said he wants to move cautiously. We have on the line State Senator David Kanisik. David Kanisik, how are you doing, sir? I'm well, Mr. Kimlock. How are you doing? Uh, doing fine. So the legislature finally, the I guess the House and the Senate, um, voted uh, concurrent bills that basically um, is on its way to the governor's desk to now deal with Michigan crumbling roads. This, uh, the sets of bills were passed basically um, on, along our along party lines. Um, I believe there was only one Democrat in the Senate that actually voted for this, this, these, these bills. Um, and I believe, uh, I don't know if there were any Democrats in the House of Representatives. Tell us what happened and tell us more so, um, why was the Democrats so hard uh, lined against these, uh, these bills? Well, I think the, uh, the first thing that I would point out, Jonathan, is that you know, the Democrats wanted to be a part of a road funding solution. We heard the message loud and clear from Michigan residents earlier this year that they want their roads fixed, they want it done the right way, they don't want a bunch of other gimmicks attached to it, uh, and unfortunately the plan that was adopted by the House and Senate is not much of a road plan at all. In fact, all it does is raise taxes on working families, middle class families, and it kicks the can down the road another six years before we're ever going to fix this problem. And so. You know, the Republicans are running around calling this a road funding plan. Uh, it's really just a bunch of garbage, in my opinion. Okay. As you said, I believe the first um, first benefit uh, or revenue that would be generated from this, this, this plan directly wouldn't be coming into 2017. And also you have, uh, at that time, I believe that's when the registration fees um, will either be um, increasing in 17 or 20. Um, but the, at the end of the day, um, in this bill, because a lot of people heard what the Democrats said, um, but where is it or where does it say that there's going to be cuts um, to um, these important programs that um, we've been hearing Democrats mm -hmm. say over the past 24 hours? Um, yeah. so we, we hear the increase in, in registration fees and, as well as there's money coming from the general fund. Um, is that what you're, you're speaking to in generality that uh, these uh, the, the, the uh, general fund dollars will be coming from uh, various other sources? that will impact yeah. families? So, so this $1.2 billion that we keep, you know, hearing thrown around as, as it relates to, you know, the money that's going to be used to fix the roads, that comes from two places. The first is $600 million in increased taxes. We're talking about an increase in the gas tax to the tune of $400 million. And we're talking about an increase, a 20% increase in registration fees that's going to raise us $200 million. So the first $600 million of new revenue comes from paying more at the pump and what we're calling a birthday tax, that additional tax that you're going to have to pay every time you go to renew your registration on your birthday. The other $600 million is coming from cuts to the general fund. Now, what the Republican uh, majority didn't do when passing this plan is specify where those cuts are going to come from. And so we know at the end of the day, those cuts are going to come from programs that we as Democrats have been fighting for and are going to continue to fight for for years to come. It's going to come out of seniors. It's going to come out of veteran services. It's going to come out of mental health services. It's going to come out of education. And for my colleagues and I, if you cannot tell me that you're just going to blindly cut $600 million from the general fund and not tell us where you're going to cut it from. That's a huge problem. Now, I talked a little bit earlier about all the gimmicks that are attached to this. One of those is an income tax rollback, and the other is a cut in the homestead property tax. Now, uh, we, we want to see those, those taxes rolled back, of course, on Michigan residents. Uh, but when you do it in an irresponsible way, you continue to blow holes into the general fund. So on top of the $600 million cut we're going to make out of the general fund, we're also going to lose $200 million in revenue from these other rollbacks that the Republicans enacted. So in the blink of an eye, we're looking at an $800 million hole blown into the general fund. That's almost 10% of the entire uh, general fund discretionary revenue that, that we're able to, to touch every year. And, and that's just incredibly reckless, incredibly irresponsible. 
and places the burden on the back of, of Michigan's working families, and that's not right. Uh, Senator Knesik, uh in response to the Democrats' claim that these dollars will be coming from uh, working families, um, the, the at least um, the a couple of the legislators that I saw on television basically were saying uh, that's not true. But they did. It was it was interesting how they just shugged it off. They did yeah. not come with any counter anything. I mean. Uh, it's as if they were just rushing this through to say that they, de- they they're doing something, and it looks like it's it, you know it is something that they basically threw down the road that they'll deal with those various cuts and identifying those cuts, um, and they and I don't I don't based upon the um, their response I don't think they even gave it too much of a thought as it relates to where they're going to make these cuts, Senator. No, you're you're exactly right, Jonathan. You know the reason that the legislators that you saw on television and what have you weren't able to give a response is because you can't deny the facts. You can't deny the fact that it's coming, going to come, it's coming somewhere. The money's going to have to come from somewhere. And, and you're absolutely correct. Well, unusual. It's always the folks at the bottom of the totem pole who who don't have lobbies, right? Who don't, who get the short end of the stick. Well, you know, what's so, so interesting to me, you know, this is a, a Republican party. How many times have we heard it out of Republicans mouths? We don't want to raise taxes. taxes. We want yeah. smaller government. We don't want this. We don't want that. But time and time again, they'll happily raise taxes when it's on the little guy. They'll happily raise the fees when it's on the little guy. Time and time and time again, the middle class is getting screwed under this Republican majority here in the state of Michigan. Uh, and, and like was just said, uh, it's always getting passed off onto those who can least afford it. From a moral standpoint, from an ethical standpoint, that's not right. Right. And, you know, just like when when Governor Snyder was first elected, when he came into office, $1.8 billion was taken off the back of businesses and placed on the back of, you know, working folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so yeah, that shows you um, wh- where they're coming from. They, they, they care well, less about the working poor and the middle class. Well, that, that brings such of a great uh, or brings up such a great point, you know. You know, we're not asking uh, big businesses or, or corporations to shoulder all of the burden. We're simply asking that they pay their, their fair share. share. Right. When you have good roads, when you have good bridges, those big businesses and those corporations benefit just as much when they're able to transport their goods uh, and their capital across the state of Michigan. Yeah, and look- so, you know, we, we didn't even touch overweight trucks in this road package. That should have been. But why would why wouldn't you have why would you not touch that? I get, but like I said earlier, they must have a stronger lobbyist. You know, they must have a, yeah, exactly. an influential Just lobbyist. The words out of my mouth. You know, the the trucking industry is a powerful industry across the country. There's no denying that. And so, as soon as you talk about holding overweight trucks accountable, as soon as you talk about bringing Michigan in line with the other Great Lakes states as it relates to the truck weight limits that we have here in Michigan. Uh, that industry grows crazy. A lot of threats get made. A lot of arms get twisted. And before you know it, uh, the heavyweight and the overweight trucks are off the table. Wow, that that's amazing. That Michigan residents said loud and clear, we need to rein in these overweight trucks. And they didn't do it. Absolutely. Well, let me ask you, since we, we have you on the line, the net, okay, they got the road package of bills uh, approved. And so now we have a, a, road, a, a, a funding plan, a road funding plan in, in place at least. Um, let me ask you, the, the next big discussion that's at least bubbling over in the city of Detroit is this education reform uh, piece that the governor has taken on him on himself in order to, uh, along with a number of uh, community groups and, and other stakeholders, um, to try to transform and deal with the financial issues in the city of Detroit. Now, with that being said, you have you had an opportunity to actually look at the governor's proposal? Um, and I understand that some bills are supposed to be introduced uh, or they're being crafted and will be formally introduced either this week or next week. What are you hearing on that? You know, as, as a senator who represents a portion of the city of Detroit, you know, I've made it a point to try and make sure that I'm a part of as many conversations as I can as it relates to uh, Detroit Public Schools and the proposal that Governor Snyder has laid out uh, to try and address some of the issues. I think we need to acknowledge three key components, you know, in my opinion. The first is that the state of Michigan has been controlling DPS for the last 16 years. Yep, you're right. Any debt, any debt that was incurred under the state's oversight, 
the state has an obligation to pay for that debt. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be passing it off onto the backs of, of, again, our working families and our middle class. And so that's something that I've been fighting for from the beginning, saying that you incurred the debt under your overwatch. You need to take responsibility for that debt. Can I can uh, I can I ask you can, can oh, sure, sure. go ahead the, the, because I, I agree with you wholeheartedly there I mean the state created the debt even when they gave us the keys in 2006 um, the deficit um, that was left by the reform board you know we had to continue to try to fight our way through um, we have a a a conservative even more uh, conservative uh, legislature um, that's now in place um, with that being said how do we get this legislature to even embrace the idea of, of 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 giving more money or giving more money to Detroit public schools, but let alone actually um, forgiving the debt or uh, or or and somehow absorb the state absorbing it, the debt. You know, so I'm saying that I, I agree that should be the case, but how do you get there when I I, I think that's going to be a tough um uh, pill to swallow for many of those conservative legislators. You know, it's, it's going to be a tough pill to swallow, Jonathan. I don't disagree with you at all in, in, in that regard. I'll tell you why I'm so passionate about the issue personally and why I'm working so hard to get my colleagues to understand the issues that we're facing financially and otherwise. You know, I, I represent the city of Inkster as well. And last year, rather than three years ago, the state of Michigan came in and dissolved Inkster Public Schools. Mm-hmm. They dissolved Buena Vista yeah. when it was determined that they weren't financially solvent. You know, we are running up against a, a case right now where DPS could not be financially solvent as soon as springtime of next year. We have to get something done. And I think that my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, I think they understand that we have to get something done, too. You know, the devil is always going to be in the details, but I'm not willing to let DPS run up against any sort of financial cliff, if you will, uh, because we owe it to the kids. We owe it to their parents. We owe it to uh, our schools to do everything that we can to get everybody on board to do the right thing. Can I, I ask the you this, right the coalition, is, uh, yeah, go ahead. The cor- there's a coalition of folks. I need you to um, uh, stay on um, after this break. Let's continue this discussion. You're listening to the Jonathan Kinlock Show with Senator David Kanisik. David Kanisik represents State Senate District 5, as well as we have here in the studio, Tom Wilson. When we come back, we'll continue to talk to Senator Kanisik about the latest out of Lansing. I came to the DMC for a variety of reasons. One is the opportunity to do more cutting-edge research, but also to work with really high-quality, creative physicians. Dr. Cindy Grimes, DMC Cardio Team 1. When the artery closes in the midst of a heart attack, every second counts. Most centers have to call in their team from home, and it's a struggle to open that artery even within 90 minutes. Here at DMC, it's much, much different. Cardio Team 1 is the only 24-7 on-site heart attack team in the country. Dr. Daniel Turner, heart specialist at DMC Children's Hospital of Michigan. In the past, the child's chest would need to be cut open, and they would need to stay in the hospital for five or six days. Now, with the Melody Valve, there's no surgery, and they get to go home the next day. Working to build the most advanced heart hospital and cardiovascular team in the Midwest and beyond. And we're doing it all right here in the heart of Detroit at the DMC. The DMC, always there. In times of economic uncertainty, University Foods are hard at work providing quality groceries at impressive savings. Since 1979, University Foods has served the Detroit area with low, low prices, providing fresh fruits, vegetables, and quality meats. University Foods strives to save you money without compromising quality. Buy local Michigan-made product at your local Spartan store. University Foods, located at 1131 West Warren, across from Wayne State University. Say hello to Norm and tell them the Jonathan Kinlock Show sent you. Welcome back to the Jonathan Kenlock Show here at Detroit's News Talk AM 1400 and FM 92.7 WDTK. Call in number here in the studio is 800-923-9385. That's 800-923-9385. I have on the line State Senator David Kanisik, and also joining me here in the studio is Tom Wilson. Senator Kanisik represents State Senate District 5, which includes uh, Dearborn Heights, 
Dear, the city of Detroit, Garden City, Inkster, as well as Redford within the county of Wayne. Uh, Senator Kanisic, this education reform piece that uh, will that the legislature will soon take up, uh, the governor's proposal, uh, I guess, has um, some sense of a report or a recommendation that came from a number of stakeholders um, from Detroit and, and elsewhere that actually put together a, a, a recommendation for the legislature to consider as well as the governor. Um, had you had an opportunity to actually look at um, those, those, uh, those recommendations and how far away is the governor um, from the recommendations that was um, presented or proposed by those stakeholders? Yeah, so the, the stakeholders that you're referring to, just for the listeners out there, uh, would be the Coalition for the Future of Detroit School Children. Uh, and that included, included a number uh, of individuals who uh, have been active participants in, in the education and political system in southeastern Michigan for a long time. It included a lot of folks from the west side of the state, northern Michigan. Uh, really wanted to bring folks together to address in a comprehensive, non-political way what we need to do to get this right. You know, I'll tell you, with any legislative package, from the time it's introduced to the time it gets uh, through the House or through the Senate, it's going to change a thousand different ways. Uh, but what I think the coalition's recommendation has done is give us a very solid framework from which to build all of these discussions. When we talk about local control, when we talk about retiring the debt, when we talk about how we address academics, what does a true community school look like? What do we have to do to achieve that goal? Uh, the coalition has done a phenomenal job at providing us with direction uh, as to, to you know, where we need to be heading with this conversation. I think that's a good thing. Uh, I have seen a number of individuals in Lansing who are talking about this issue reference that report. And so my hope is that at the end of the day, uh, whatever this package, uh, legislative package develops into, it reflects as much, if not all, of what was included in that first report from the coalition. Well, I, I think it's important um, as we see these bills um, begin to be introduced that it is important for the Detroit delegation in the Senate and the House <clears throat> to stay in touch uh, with local leaders. Um, I, as you know, I'm chair of the 13th district. You also have a number of other organizations that are interested in making sure that the right conversations are being had as it relates to this education piece. Um, I was on the board after the reform board, um, the first elected board that um, uh, took office. I knew the state was going to come back because the school district had bonding capacity. At the end of the day, um, it was all about money and controlling those dollars. It never was about um, those black kids' education because this whole EM piece and all of the other uh, reform efforts that have been placed in recent uh, years has never been about educating these kids or even um, doing a zero-based budget to see how much it actually costs to educate those kids. And so, right. yes, I, I don't believe it is a Long Ranger and Tonto approach that, uh, to come in here and really save these kids. Uh, I think they have made a big mess of the district, yep. and now they're trying to clean it up because unlike the city of Detroit, School districts are 100% creatures of the state. Right. So whether they pay it on the front end, they will definitely have to pay the debt on the back end. This debt will be paid by the state of Michigan in one capacity or another. And then also, um, Senator Kinesic, what they're not talking about is, is that if they shut DPS down, uh, it's not an option. What they did to Inkster is not an option in Detroit because there's not enough uh, capacity um, for these kids, uh, these 50-some-odd thousand kids, to just abruptly be thrown into another system. That's right. Right. So I, uh, from, from every conversation that we've had so far, Jonathan, you know, I, I would put you at ease if I could, uh, and, and any of the listeners, nobody is talking about uh, you know, dividing up the district and, and putting the kids in any other district. Those conversations, are, you know, not even being had. Uh, because you're right, this is you know, a totally different situation. Uh, and frankly, you know, you're looking at 47,000 kids. It's just not possible. But you brought up a very good point that I think uh, a number of individuals, myself included, have been driving home at Lansing. Just as the state has to take responsibility for the debt, that has been incurred under their watch. Mm -hmm. The state has to take responsibility for the failed experiments that we have done 
on Detroit school children. Yep. I'm talking about number one, the EAA. Mm-hmm. The EAA has been a failure by all stretches of the imagination. I had the opportunity over the last couple of years, I went into Mumford High School. I went into Henry Ford High School. I went into Nolan Elementary. Uh, I went into uh, Central Collegiate. I spoke to the kids, and I have seen personally that the Education Achievement Authority has not achieved anything. And so as we move forward with these conversations, another issue that I'm trying to push is that the EAA has to go away. Yes, yes. The other yeah. thing that has to go away is that emergency manager. You know, I, I've got nothing personal uh, against the emergency manager, but I will tell you this. Darnell Early failed the citizens of Flint when yeah. he was their emergency manager. We've seen the last couple of weeks that, that they were poisoned with this lead water under his watch. He has failed the students of the Detroit public school system. Uh, we cannot allow DPS, we cannot allow these school children to continue to be educated under a system of emergency management. EAA has to go. The emergency manager has Absolutely. to go. We need to do everything that we can to return control of our local schools as soon as possible to local residents. Can you make sure Can you make sure that there's an election first, please? I, I beg you. Are you declaring your candidacy? Is oh, no, no, I'm done. <laughs> I, I, I currently serve on the, um, the Detroit Public Safety Academy Board. Um, I, I've, I've ser- served two uh, terms on the school board. I served uh, in 06, and also um, Roy Roberts asked me to come back and to serve on an unexpired term. And I'm going to tell you something. Um, we definitely want the the authority to be returned back to the citizens to have a right to elect their school board. Um, but we definitely want to have a conversation about an election in any legislation. We want to have an election sooner than later. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, Senator Kinesic, uh my friend, I want to thank you for calling in, and we'll be in touch with you as on um, this legislation as well as many other, um, you know, discussions as far as changes uh, that will be uh, making its way through Lansing as, as they develop. We'll definitely be having more conversations with you. Thank you, Mr. Kinlock. I appreciate the opportunity as always. Have a great evening. You too now. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Jonathan Kinlock Show here at Detroit's News Talk AM 1400 and FM 92.7 WDTK. We'll be right back after this break. the DMC for a variety of reasons. One is the opportunity to do more cutting-edge research, but also to work with really high-quality, creative physicians. Dr. Cindy Grimes, DMC Cardio Team 1. When the artery closes in the midst of a heart attack, every second counts. Most centers have to call in their team from home, and it's a struggle to open that artery even within 90 minutes. Here at DMC, it's much, much different. Cardio Team 1 is the only 24-7 on-site heart attack team in the country. Dr. Daniel Turner, heart specialist at DMC Children's Hospital of Michigan. In the past, the child's chest would need to be cut open, and they would need to stay in the hospital for five or six days. Now, with the melody valve, there's no surgery, and they get to go home the next day. Working to build the most advanced heart hospital and cardiovascular team in the Midwest and beyond. And we're doing it all right here in the heart of Detroit at the DMC. The DMC, always there. In times of economic uncertainty, University Foods are hard at work providing quality groceries at impressive savings. Since 1979, University Foods has served the Detroit area with low, low prices, providing fresh fruits, vegetables, and quality meats. University Foods strives to save you money without compromising quality. Buy local Michigan-made product at your local Spartan store. University Foods, located at 1131 West Warren, across from Wayne State University. Say hello to Norm and tell them the Jonathan Kinlock Show sent you. Welcome back to the Jonathan Kinlock Show here at Detroit's News Talk AM 1400 and FM 92.7 WDTK. Call in number here in the studio is 800-923-9385. That's 800-923-9385. Joining me here in the studio is Tom Wilson of the Democratic Party and, and many other organizations <laughs> in, the, in the city of Detroit. Um, and, you know, that last conversation with David Kinesic you know, I, I love it when I'm able to have a conversation with uh, our legislators and they actually really uh, are able to articulate the issues right. because you, as as much as I am, is involved in the Democratic Party and, and come in contact with these legislators all the time. Mm-hmm. You cannot have 
um, just conversations about details of what's going on in Lansing. Because sometimes uh, these folks go to Lansing and basically go to sleep and they're ineffective. <laughs> now, you, during the break, we were talking about uh, Senator Kinesic. I guess he spoke to one of your organizations that you're part of. And uh, there was some, some, some pushback because of him being introduced by um, Harvey Santana. So yeah. You represent Harvey Santana. And Harvey's a friend of mine. And, and I'm going to say this. I, I, I like it when folks go into these systems and shake it up a little bit. You know, um, going along to get along. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is, it, you know, we, we have to end that. And yeah. Har- now, I, I, I don't necessarily agree with all of his approaches, mm-hmm. but it brings about results in it. Yeah. No matter how you look at That's it. That's right. Dollar bills. Absolutely. Dollar bills. And so um, I, I don't believe like uh, former representative John Alumba left the party yeah. and took some other drastic action in which I was really, really behind uh, uh, him and and some of his reforms that he wanted. But when he became um, dissatisfied with the lack of leadership in the party, he decided to leave the party. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately that his, you know, that that's not the way that I would have, would have done it, but it is, it, we have some tough issues that are coming down the pipe with mm-hmm. education. Yep. Um, and, and a host of other issues that, that are, are, are a part of the discussion of actually really transforming Detroit into yeah. um, a thriving community. Now, we're, now, there are people getting excited about what's going on downtown right. because of what Dan Gilbert is doing mm-hmm. and, and some Mike of Illich. the assistance yeah. that is coming from um, the local government officials like Detroit and right. some of the other authorities, Wayne County and whatnot. But at the end of the day, it is business owners who are actually driving these, uh, these resurgence in certain parts of our communities. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're now right. what we're seeing is in which the mayor has uh, made it a, a top priority um, to create an environment where um, developers are interested in um, resurrecting parts of the neighborhoods around the city of Detroit. Yeah, the Herman Kiefer site, for instance. Absolutely. And I mean, even they they, they did one about uh, maybe a month ago. They were talking about Live 6, 6 Mile Livernois area. And they were going to run from Livernois over to Wyoming and from around about, I guess, Puritan down to 6 Mile or whatever it is going north and south. But, you know, we need some of the Detroit is 140 square miles big, all right? And I think downtown and midtown comprises 7.2 square miles of that 140. So you got 132.8 miles that, you know, granted, it's, uh, you know, a lot of houses and what have you, but there's also, you know, zoning and stuff where you can actually have businesses come in there and set up shop. You know, I, I, I actually serve on the uh, the Greater Wayne County Economic Development Corporation Board, and there, it was something which I, I, I don't know why the county executive did not issue in a press release, um, but he's doing a lot. And this is why when people say folks aren't doing this, that, and thus, there are a lot of things that are going on that people are not aware of. Like, for instance, from seven mile all the way to eight mile, there's going to be brand new lights that Wayne County is the uh, stimulus behind putting brand new lights along um, uh, Livernois from six mile to eight mile okay. um, in order to uh, to to make sure that there's lighting um, uh, lighting um, fixtures where all of this new development mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the current businesses uh, that exist there. Right. Um, and we had conversations about cu- Cuzzles and some of the other new businesses that are um, over there mm-hmm. and what how this new lighting um, will actually benefit the community over there. So there's a lot of things that are taking taking place and you have the city that's involved um, that's really um, that's, that's a, a major uh, component at the table. But also you have um, the county and the state uh, that's trying to um, be a part of this whole resurgence in, 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 in the city of Detroit. So it is so important that we have some civil conversations with with our legislators in Lansing, Democrat yeah. and Republic, right. uh, Republican, so that we can really um, make sure that the the tools are, and resources come into the city to deal with not just blight, but dead zones. Well, yeah, yeah. dead zones yeah. in in the city of Detroit. And you know, not only that, but I mean, if you if if you look at it, I mean, Detroit is Michigan. Detroit was a city before Michigan became a state. 
Okay. And we are the biggest city in this state. And I mean, you know, I like what I see in terms of the development that's going on, but you know, there's two things that need to get straight and hopefully quick public safety. Right. Exactly. Public safety. Now I know I go to these community, um, you know, police organization community meetings and they give us a breakdown in terms of crime. Overall crime is down, but, 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 the stuff you see on the television with the folks at the gas stations and the carjackings, that to them, that to the people, that's crime. Okay. You know, aggravated assaults or B and E's it, you know, that doesn't kind of like really, you know, I had, I had a business owner as I was talking about this resurgence and, and this, the synergy in, in mm-hmm. synergy in the city of Detroit, tell me right before the show, well, listen, cause they own a business on Michigan Avenue mm-hmm. uh, and near um, Jurgensen Ford. They said to me, I look, I'll give you a thousand dollars. You stand outside 24 hours. You talking about resurgence. I tell you, you'll get a, you know, they had a very interesting way of describing what my experience would be standing on that corner of Michigan Avenue for 24 <laughs> hours. No, all they hear, he says they have 40 uh, gun, uh, uh, bullet holes in his business because mm-hmm. um, they're crossed directly across the street from um, from uh, the crazy horse. Okay. And, and, and and then all of the, uh, I guess, the, 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 the um, you have a new marijuana dispensary, yeah, dispensary yeah. that's, that's opening up like right across the street. Uh, from Jurgensen, I was talking with the general manager a couple of weeks ago saying, how can I close that? Look, look, my folks will come and look and see at this dispensary directly out of my showroom window. Mm-hmm, and, right. and and you have these, these, um, these dispensaries popping up around the city. The city council, uh, Councilman Tate uh, has led the charge and actually trying to yeah. deal with the proliferation of these type of facilities. Mm-hmm. But you, 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 Yet we have to begin to have some some sound um, zoning and yep. zoning enforcement because you can have zoning ordinances in which I you know you can have zoning ordinances in place, mm-hmm. but if you don't have enforcement, yeah. and that's the thing that I said uh, even back um, in uh, the late '90s, we have to begin to have a conversation about zoning enforcement, even if we begin to. Um, deputize some of these uh, and train some of these community organizations to be mm-hmm. able to, to help deal with blight tickets. Mm-hmm. You have to bring civilians and these uh, community associations into the conversation of addressing blight. Well, yeah, we're all in this mess together. I mean, we can stand holding hands united or one somebody lets go and we all fall, you know, but, um, but, you know, in terms of these dispensaries, I've got to give my hat and kudos to Councilman Tate, his staff, and all those other people who sat down to help put this ordinance together to, you know, kind of like get these dispensaries regulated, for lack of a better word. Because I'm telling you, man, the city's 140 square miles big, okay? And there are more than enough dispensaries right now as you and I are sitting here speaking that could service each square mile of the city with a few of them left over you know for for each square mile and I mean like I said that last Thursday down at the hearing I said you know what at the rate of proliferation we're going to have more dispensaries in this city than we've got churches and that can't happen and the zoning ordinance so the uh, so the mm-hmm. planning commission actually is deliberating over this and yeah what, what what's the the next action what what did they leave with you all from what i heard now i didn't say for the whole thing because i heard they started that meeting around about five thirty, and i understood they didn't get out of there until almost like 11 o'clock that night after everybody had spoken so what the what i did here was after most of the folks had left there was like say and I heard the word alternative plan used that they presented in terms of kind of like maybe another plan to how to have these dispensaries, you know, set up. Uh, but, you know, that's nothing that's etched in stone or anything. So they had a proposal and they have a, had a draft of an ordinance that they were already holding public hearings. Right. On. So someone brought up another alternative. Are they going to have another public hearing before they actually vote on that? I think they're going to have an, another hearing tomorrow. Okay. In the Irwin Henderson Auditorium. And um, what that's going to entail, 
Um, I don't know, but um, I did hear this, that, you know, if you're going, if you've already spoken, you're on, you know, you're on record as having spoken. And unless something else comes up, not that they would not let you speak, but, you know, they're trying to get more people who haven't been, right. who, who haven't been heard to come before the mic and, you know, say their piece. 800-923-9385. That's the number here in the studio if you want to join in on the conversation. Um, another issue, another issue that just, you know, it, it, well, another issue. Okay, let me just, you know who I'm talking about, <laughs> Charles Pugh. Oh, yeah. You, let me say this up front. When this thing first jumped off with Charles Pugh, and I heard about Should it, I, I mean, him? I was trying, you know, be, I was remaining, be, remaining, being objective. I said, you know what? There's two sides to every story. There's the person who said that Charles did this, and then there's Charles' side. But what did Charles do? Charles ran like hell from here and went up to New York. So, I mean, that to me says that, like, okay, you know, I'm in deep do right here. And um, now he's got to come back. And, you know, he's got a face to you know, face. To pipe well, in. actually, he doesn't. And uh, let me let me just say this. It, it seems just when this story first hit, mm -hmm. um, I had a number of conversations with journalists and various folks as it relates to this issue. And it the irresponsibility on in this matter can be spread across so many different directions yeah. from DPS, from the parents. Yep. I mean, from the parent to everyone, Charles Pugh, mm -hmm. more especially, um, was reckless. Yeah. Now, I don't care if the child was 18 years old. The mere fact that he came into this child's life through the Detroit public school system, mm -hmm. um, through a mentorship program, um, clearly um, demonstrate that he either used this 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 program as a a a, a farming system for mm -hmm. himself, mm -hmm. um, or he just used the, the 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 position that he held and the um, the the position that he held um, to his advantage over so this child that was in a stress all, in all a distress situation. All the above. Yeah. I mean, but um, from uh, from what I know about this incident, um, having uh, you know, you know, I'm going to, as I stated, I formerly was on the board of education. Mm -hmm. um, I was not on the board when he had this program over at the school, um, but I did have phone calls and did talk to folks as it relates to this issue. Mm -hmm. And this was this was this was just the DPS. This actually this shouldn't have gone to trial. They, they're um, DPS is settling for three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yep. This should have been done in the first place. I mean, it was just, it's just another embarrassment uh, to the school district, and it's mm -hmm. just so unfortunate. Um, and Charles Pugh, I, the system needs to now the school district and any other school district need to basically monitor yep. um, programs, That's especially right. these um, uh, non-school related programs that mm -hmm. are going into these uh, school buildings. Well, I agree period. with you wholeheartedly. So, yeah. I, so. I, I, it would be should be uh, much tighter now and 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 harder to actually go into a school uh, under the banner. I'm trying to be a mentor. Right. Uh, Charles Pugh right. has ruined that yep. um, idea of just walking into a school building and saying, "Oh, I have a program." Uh, Ike from West Bloomfield, what's on your mind? Well, this is uh, too open-ended a comment, <clears throat> but maybe you can discuss it tomorrow. I uh, just wondered that with all the technology that we have today, why isn't there some sort of a group that can monitor how and, and uh, their voting, they either implement, like you were talking about, marijuana, uh, uh, labs, and what have you. And then you just had someone on that was complaining about the Republicans, how I need uh, the Democrats are, can't there be some monitoring system as to who is really sort of the stumbling block? It may seem overly simplistic, but President Truman had that great saying that the buck stops here. Yep. Is there not a way with technology today that you can monitor, hey, these people voted for this, and then whoever is in their constituency 
would know how their representatives is voting. Well, well that, that, I, there, there is a um, technology, and that's called going online and looking at their voting record on these respective um, bills. So you, there is technology that's yeah. there, as well as you have. Uh, absolutely, it's public record. And then you also have news reports on these critical um, votes that take place in Lansing. So, um, you know, some of this falls back on us as citizens um, to do our own due diligence, and that is to keep our eye on these uh, elected officials. They do belong to us, uh, even though oftentimes they forget about that, 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 forget that fact, but they do work for the citizens. And so, um, yes, we have the news media. Yes, uh, we have other individuals who can give us information, but we should also, as as voters, as citizens, uh, pay attention to what our local elected officials are doing, especially when it comes um, to issues or, or votes that are important to us. So the technology's there, but also um, we're there as well. We have to be our own eyes and ears. Yep, you're right. You're right. I mean, you know, um, but how many of us, I mean, other than those of us who are kind of like, say, really to use that word, on top of this situation. You find very few people who really, you know, get involved in this stuff. I mean, some of them, they, they have an, uh, an epiphany late, but, you know. Some... I had a lady call me yesterday. I, I really would have loved if we had time to play part of this message without her name, where she said, well, I was at the precinct delegate training on Saturday. No one mentioned any election. Um, no one talked about any election that was held. Uh, some people had told me that they saw it on the news. I did not know that there was an election. And I, I, I'm like, some of this falls back on you. Well, yeah. I mean, of course, the clerks are responsible for getting notices out, True. but you should be paying attention as you're going to get some tea and crumpets from the grocery store um, <laughs> that there's an election in your community. That's right. That's Amazing. Right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tom Wilson, for joining me, as well as State Senator David Kanisik. I know of no safe repository, the ultimate power of society, but the people. And we think them not enlightened enough. The remedy is not to take power from them, but to inform them by education. Good night, people. Thank you for listening to The Jonathan Kinlock Show. Tune in each weeknight for more intelligent conversation on The Jonathan Kinlock Show. It's News Talk 1400, WDTK. The Jonathan Kinlock Show is brought to you by CMA of West New York. You know that you should.